When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 69. My name is Turner Sparks in Hanoi, Vietnam. My name is Michael Kaplan in Long Island City, United States of America. Yeah, the good old USA. USA, baby. On the podcast today, we have the writer of the Abu Dhabi Bar Mitzvah, Adam Levinson. Fantastic writer. I knew Adam in China. Adam, first he lived in the Middle East. He went through, his goal was to go to the most dangerous countries in the world and then after he did that whole thing, he, he moved to China, and then he wrote a book about it. The book just came out. It's killer. It's just got reviewed by the New York Times. Yeah. Cap, it's a fantastic book. Yeah, We're going to get saw, to talk I, to him. I thought his goal was to be the, like, uh, to, to be the, the founding member of the uh, Lost in America book club, because that's the most on-brand book possible, You're right. I think. The Abu Dhabi Bar Mitzvah, a, a Jew traveled, lost in the Middle East. Basically, and, and then lived in China. Uh, like he it, literally it, hits every one yeah. of our our themes. Checks all the boxes. Checks every single possible box. Do you so think that if we call our friends over at Amazon, we can have you know Oprah's book club has a special stamp on the books, so people know when they're in the bookstore. This is an Oprah book club. Maybe we can get uh, call Mr. Bezos up. Maybe we can put that on the um, on this book. I the think- uh, Lost in America book club. That's a brilliant idea. That might be a billion-dollar idea. We need to start a book club. (laughs) Cha-ching, cha-ching. All right, done. If we anoint, we need to get this pod to the place where if we anoint a book, it goes to number one on the bestsellers list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, last week we anointed the Book of Mormon. I've heard it's doing well. It's doing very well. We anointed uh, Michael H. Weber. Now he's nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, congratulations. He's got a nominee, and if we, 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 you know, the voters are listening, so we kind of make our voice heard and see if I give him a win now. Exactly. We don't want losers. He, well, yeah, we, don't, we do not accept losers on this podcast, so he's got to win an Oscar for the disaster hours. Congratulations, Weber. So, a couple dates to announce. We're going to get to Lost in America, but it's not even in America. I'm, gonna be, I'm lost in Vietnam this week. Cap, I got a million things that yep. have happened to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, just, I'm not lost anymore because I, Randy came home. And I feel like so found, so to speak, because I got all this time now. Oh, good. The kids, I got like the the place, uh, the place that looked like a tornado last week. I did. I hired the cleaning lady. Came on. He's like, you know, when you have a high school party and you just like everyone puts the, you know, the parents are coming home. Let's do it quickly. And you put everything, sweep everything under the rug. Yes. That was us. We were we were scrambling to get everything together. I said this is too much. Called the cleaning lady. You and the she kids. She came in. The place looked. Yeah, the, yeah, the kids, they, they were useless. I was trying to get them to help me clean. <laughs> Cleaning lady, play, clean this place up. It looks like uh, Randy never left. Uh, tornado avert, crisis averted. And now it's just like I, I have all this time at night. It's very exciting to be like, oh, I could, like, do something. So I forgot what that was like for, like, over a week. of. Look at you. You're uh, a man about town. Dad, so. as, as long as yeah, Randy. It's very, even, even work doesn't seem bad or even anything. You know, it's, it's great. Hey. Go to the gym, whatever. As long, you, as, long as Randy good. never listens to this podcast, she won't know. What happened while you were gone? Shit, she does listen. While she was gone. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll delete this episode when it comes up on her on her on her phone real quick. Good idea. Get her phone, delete her feed. That's a good idea. But okay, so a couple dates to announce. But I'll press play first. Go on. <laughs> press exactly. First of all, I've had fantastic shows. I was in Hong Kong last weekend. I was in Vietnam. I was two nights in Saigon, a night in Hanoi last night. Tons of cap, tons of pod listeners came out. Tons of podcast nice. listeners knew, came out to the show. We have I knew we were, big, we were big with the Viet Cong. We're, <laughs> we're big with the VC. We're like the new Jane Fonda. We're huge there. Charlie loves us. Hanoi Jane loves us. We are big <laughs> up here. So shout out to all them. Shout out to Dan Dockery, who put my shows on here. Shout out to Nick Ross, who put them on in Saigon. Should we get to Lost in Vietnam? I'm going to do Lost in Vietnam this week. We're not Lost in America. I'm Lost in Vietnam. Should we get to yeah. that? You're, you're Hanoi Turner. Take it away. Annoy Turner. Let's play the Lost in Vietnam music. Kaplan, I'm lost in Vietnam this week. I don't know if you followed the news or if this news even made it to the United States, but let me just tell you what happened on my Tuesday night. I'm doing the math. It was Tuesday night here in Vietnam. I'm sitting in my hotel room around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I hear a big, like a cheer, like a cheer come out outside my window. Like a wah, you know? They, they were... They were watching. Uh, they just got the Super Bowl and just saw the Eagles win on a delay there. That's or, or, that. Yes. Or, or just saw the NFC East title game and saw the Eagles win that. Yeah. I, That's I, I my it. first thought. Or maybe it's a Sixers game. Or, or maybe it's a Sacramento Kings loss and they're rooting because you know they're they want to get the draft pick. Big. But. Right. 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 Okay. I don't know. So then I. So, but I don't think anything of it. About ten minutes later, I hear another cheer. Bah! Seven, eight, ten minutes after that, another one. Bah! And I'm like, oh, all I can think of is I must live next to a soccer stadium. I must be staying next to a soccer stadium, you know? And there's some local game going on or something. So I look out my window. I can't see a stadium. I see these construction workers, and they're just going about their business. They keep doing construction, so it doesn't seem too crazy. Ten minutes after that, another cheer. Bah! And then 20 minutes later, it's crazy. It's madness. Like, bah, 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 bah. I look out my window and I hear honking. And then I look down the street. I'm on the eighth floor. I've looked out down to the street and people are on scooters driving through the streets with Vietnamese flags. Is the the war over? Did it just end? (laughs) Well, I I think the opposite. I think uh, a revolution's beginning. I don't know what's happening. But in my head, it's like, oh, man. I came on the exact date when some there's some new government, there's some new regime, and I got I got to get out of here, you know. So all I can think of is like it seemed it. I'll be honest, it seemed very dangerous. It seemed like right. some it underway. It, I don't know if it's an Arab Spring or what it is, <laughs> but there's some change of government happening on the streets. So this is now it's like five thirty at night. I have a show at eight o'clock. I'm like probably the show's canceled, but I got to get down to the street to find out what's going on. So I walk down to the street and I get there and a lady hands me a flag, a Vietnamese flag. 
Just hands it to you. Just hands it to me, and I'm like, okay. So, but literally, I don't. I, I will put pictures on our site. I'll put pictures on on our Twitter, on our Facebook. It's you can't get through the street. It's crowded with people with Vietnamese flags. And then she says to me, she goes, $5. I'm like, okay, well, no, I don't want your flag for $5. But then <laughs> I thought she was like trying to protect you. Like they're about to shoot everyone who wasn't a sympathizer with you. Well, that's what it seemed like to me. Yep. And then I'm like, well, there's a revolution happening. But then when she says $5, I'm like, oh, she's not a communist. You know, this is a very capitalist move to charge someone right. $5 to take a flag if we're all fighting for the revolution. And so then I, I felt a little better because I'm like, okay, well, it's probably not a revolution if they're still charging if, they're, if, they're, if right. they're trying to make a buck off of whatever's happening. And so then I find a guy and I'm like, what is going on? A guy, finally I find a guy who speaks English. I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, oh, it was a soccer uh, game, football match. He says football match. I'm like, oh, okay. But like against another country, like Vietnam played somebody? Yes. Or, or so, But I don't know. So okay. I'm like, oh, it must be whatever. Like, it's a, obviously the World Cup's not going on. It's the Asian finals. I'm thinking Asian finals. And so I'm like, is it Asian finals? And the guy goes, uh, Asian semifinals. All right. But I cannot downplay. They're, they're, I can't. Yeah. They're, a little, they're a little too happy. I'm just going to say I'm going to bet against them in the finals because they're a little too happy to be winning the semifinals. Exactly. Very, like, the, whole st- the whole city is going ballistic. So then I'm like, oh, Asian semifinals uh, of what? Like, what is it? And he goes, oh, under 23. <laughs> Wow, the future is bright in Vietnam. Yeah, so it's the under-23 Asian semifinals. I'm like, who do they beat? He goes, Qatar. <laughs> so it's, uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's the big heavyweight they beat? That's it. A Qatar, the, it's absolutely, the famous football powerhouse? Well, no, it's like, I mean, so like the Eagles just made it to the Super Bowl, right? I'm still, I'm still celebrating. We haven't got to the game yet. And, you know, like I'm sure if you were like a foreigner and you were in Philadelphia and you watched like – thousands of people pour on the streets and people are climbing up telephone poles and acting like total maniacs. You might be a little bit confused because like we didn't actually, we're, we're the same, we're amateurs just like the Vietnamese. We haven't actually won oh, the championship yet. Oh, yes. But, um, but you see, you're saying it's the under 23s. It would almost be like if draft night, we had a really good draft and we went out and rampaged down the, like it's That's not, a great, that's actually, a great analogy. And Cap, I will say. Or like your say, minor league baseball team, like the Phillies minor league, the, the Iron Valley, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs of, won the uh, minor league title and we go nuts to go ape shit. <laughs> it would be like if the Sacramento, the Sacramento uh, River Cats, the triple age San G-League, Francisco yeah. Giants, <laughs> if we won the, the Pacific Coast League, which we do yearly, but we act like we've been there before because we have, so we don't, you know. Yeah, exactly. You dominate. Yeah. Great we, dynasty we all know about. It's a big, big time dynasty in Sacktown. But I did see, I, you mentioned it, but I did see a guy, a guy, I have video of it. I was taking video of everyone in the streets because it was going so nuts. And right as I was in the middle of my video, this guy just ran up a, a, a tree. He took a Vietnamese flag and climbed a tree and got to the top of the tree and was waving the wow. flag. I'll post it. It's insane. Wow. So the Vietnamese, in Philadelphia, the police tried to prepare and they were like Criscoing all the trees and telephone poles so you couldn't climb on top of them. But the Philadelphia, you can't keep, we're, we're good climbers apparently. So I, I don't know. I'm assuming in Vietnam, actually, the way that wouldn't have worked either. They, they were good. Uh, no, the war well, they, they weren't they, prepared. They, around obstacles. they were not prepared for the madness, but also the people did not, didn't, there was, they did not Crisco the trees. People were climbing yeah. everywhere. Do you know when, so when is the final going to be when you're there or is it you're going to be gone? Well, the final will be it, – it will have already happened by the time this podcast comes out. That's the only problem. But, I mean, you won't be able to go to it. There's no way you can go to the final. No, but here's the it. crazy. The final's in China, and so now all these Vietnamese people are Ooh. doing, like, road trips to China. It's very much like going to the BCS championship. 
They're like, fuck it. We're Are they going. playing China? No, Who it's just playing? the whole tournament's in China. They're playing Azerbaijan, I believe. Oh, wow. Big, big, big marquee matchup. I wonder if I can get that in America. Which here's, the, here's my final... Under 23 game. Here's my final loss in, in Vietnam of this. Azerbaijan beat South Korea to get into the finals, which seems unbelievable because South Korea is like a pow- pretty much a powerhouse in the World Cup. Yeah, I guess they traded away a lot of their under-23 guys to get, you know, win now guys or something. I don't know. Well, Apparently, what I thought is deep, maybe they moved up. They might have moved up their under-23 guys. To like right, the, is that what teams do? Like, if you actually, if they're good, they don't play. Like, you don't play if, if the All-Star game and the Rising Stars Challenge in the NBA. Like, if you're a superstar exactly. already, like, you don't. I think that's it. Oh, uh, yeah. What's well, I, okay, I will say this because we have some Vietnamese fans listening now. Because I, I, I had some pretty good shows. We got a lot of people listening to the pod. So I was like, congratulations. Right, yeah. Well, I'm definitely rooting for Vietnam in that final. I fucking hate Azerbaijan with every, <laughs> yeah. every soul, every bullet, everything in my body hates them. I've always hated them. It's been a lifelong rivalry between Kaplan and Azerbaijan. Ugh. Such hatred. And and they're that, like the Georgetown of uh, Asia. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. That was, that's, that's my loss in Vietnam. Next week. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to Thailand and then I'll be in Singapore. Oh, here's one thing I have to say this Saturday night, I will be in Shanghai recording my live album. My first live album at the Kung Fu comedy club in Shanghai. Get tickets at Kung Fu comedy.com. It is getting packed, but get them. If you, if no one shows up, I've been saying this online. If no one shows up, I'm going to be forced to pump in a laugh track and that's not a good look. I don't want to have to do that. No. So right. get there. People who show up, make sure you're laughing. Make sure you're get laughing. Two big. drink minimum. Yes. Come happy. No, there's no drink minimum. This is trying whatever. You can drink oh, whatever you want. That's but, all right. It's the communism. So anyway, it's going to be packed. It's packed out. <laughs> We're having a blast. All right, Cap, should we get to our guest? Yeah. What about our, our sponsor? Ent- oh, I, app, I apologize. Ints is an app. <laughs> still an app. It's still an app. You can get in the app store or wherever you find apps. It is up to five-minute audio recordings. That can be voice, that can be jokes, that can be music, that can be uh, your order. If you don't trust the, uh, the, the waiter who just took your order, you can end it and then play it back later when it's time to pay the bill. If you didn't, you know, if it didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to end, if you're somewhere in, uh, if you're somewhere around the world and a near riot breaks out because an under 23 team is, uh, has won a game. Ends it. Yeah, ends is the perfect app for that. It's perfect. All right. Adam Levinson. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's bring Adam in. He, fly him in, or what are we doing? Are we flying back? What are we doing? How are we going to see him? Yeah, well, this is a couple weeks ago, so through the space oh, time, right. con- through the space time con- continuum, he All will right. be here. We're going to go back in time now and go say hi to our, our good friend Adam. Yes, we're going to be very much back to the future. Let's get to Adam. <laughs> with our guest Adam Levinson. <laughs> Adam, welcome to the show. So great to be here. Yeah. No missile slang or anything. I know. <laughs> yeah, we are now February 7th, so it's been a few weeks. That's true. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, we were recording awesome this Super in Bowl. advance. We will say we were recording this in advance. The Abu Dhabi Bar Mitzvah. I'm still I thinking get, about it regardless. I want to get right into your book. Okay. I mean, I know I'm jumping in here, but we've we've known each other for a while from China. From I don't China? know if you knew that, Cap. Yeah, we. No, I assume every actually everybody you've met in China. All roads lead people in America to the right? Kung Fu Comedy Club. Yes, 
and then through it and then out of it. And then through it and then out of it, and then people either um, crash and burn and do absolutely nothing with their life, or they become Adam Levinson and create a book. <laughs> right. That was reviewed by the New York Times. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. I yeah, I read it, and I'm a subscriber of the New York Times Book Review. Captain, so the last person who actually reads such, it yeah, I was as a paper. I was reading ah, it, I'm, I'm so like, glad. I think I turned to Randy, I'm reading it in bed, like very, and I'm like, I think this guy is going to be on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. I have to say, I uh, I did my first interview on uh, Arabic television yesterday, so I'm I'm very relieved to be doing this in English. I'm, ha I'm, I'm down to talk about anything. Do you speak Arabic? Well, not really good enough for live television, but uh, live TV. Yeah, but we went we went through with it, and uh, nobody. I haven't gotten hate mail or anything. So, <laughs> so far, so good. So far, it's you definitely, heard, no news is good news. Definitely better than like personal essays I've written. Yeah. You know I mean? no hate mail at all. You have been yeah. recruited to join the Mossad or anything with that with that ability to. No, <laughs> it's so sad. I really feel like you know a lot of people that studied Arabic in college in the U.S. I met my girlfriend actually uh, at an Arabic language summer program uh, just after college and a lot of us afterwards were like look I don't really want to be in the CIA right. but like why are they calling right exactly <laughs> <laughs> like what am I doing what, wrong you know yeah, I thought it's you know nobody I'm clearly not a yeah, nobody wants my skills to use like overcomplicated Arabic words and not really good enough conversation. Nobody wants that, really. Nobody. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'll sit here. <laughs> Who was it? Who are you talking to? Uh, Al Hura Television. Uh, they're kind of all over. Shut all up, over the Arab world. Yeah. Shut, Shut up. up. You gotta what it. do they think of it? What's the response? Well, um, yeah. What's the response to the book? Things have been really good. I mean, uh, one of my favorite things is to get emails from people that you know I just wouldn't have reached otherwise. Got a letter from somebody in Amman, you know, who's like, yeah, you know. The whole way that everybody talks about the Middle East and about relationships between people in the Middle East and America is really bullshitty. And it's, it's grounded in this language of fear and everything. And just to hear, you know, a Jordanian woman have kind of the same thoughts that I do, it, it's something that feels, uh, it feels really good. Yeah, you were there before I met you, I'm guessing, right? Yes, yeah. Before I, you went yeah. to China. Yeah. And how long were you there in the Middle East for? I was, uh, I moved to Abu Dhabi for a job for about a year and a half. And uh, it was like right when the Arab Spring started. So I, oh, wow. I, you know, when you, you live in the Gulf is a place that like is, for the most part, very calm. Uh, and there are a lot of expats living there, like very much like China in a lot of ways. Abu Dhabi and Shanghai always felt super similar. How, in what way? The, just that a lot of people that were there who weren't from there had just come to basically escape everything else start uh, over and live a kind of life that was comfortable in a way that they just couldn't have anywhere else okay and and then so you've got Sounds like the population yeah you <laughs> was know the I mean? pay really high for most people is that what it was yeah it was high and it was also like everything else was basically free like so many things were cheap uh the the basic framework of of businesses over there is they pay for apartments and you don't really pay taxes in the u.s you're not paying taxes in the emirates so you're like all my money is just money. Whoa. And, uh, you know, I get the best Indian delivery I've ever had for $5. And uh, the beach is right there. Like, I guess I'm rich now. Is this what, like, is yeah. this what that is? Like, I don't have to pay for it. Am I? You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and then it's set up as a country of kind of excess and, and leisure in a lot of ways. You know, uh, um, you know, 20% of the people are from there and 80% of people are foreigners. Yeah. And... So the country has just kind of sprung up in the last fifty years, basically from from nothing, um, and you can live a real you can live a really 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 comfy life if you want to. What were you doing? What was the job? So I was working for uh, for New York University Abu Dhabi, uh, NYU was starting like a whole like, campus over there. Andrea Jones Roy did this in Shanghai. 
Yeah, yeah. she so talked they, about it. So Shanghai podcast. was the next. Yeah, it was the next move. But Abu Dhabi was their first wow. uh, outside the U.S. full campus. Kids go for four years, um, and I was there just before, like a couple weeks before the first uh, round of students came. Um, yeah, it was. And you were there just, just to set it up. You know, they'd hired some kind of Arabic interested recent graduates just to do kind of whatever it was really like flying by the seat of their pants they're like we gotta we're gonna make a university and they they got a few of us i was called a program coordinator i just coordinated programs (laughs) 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 it it wasn't there wasn't like a like i worked in procurement and i i planned fucking field trips to can i say yeah yeah yeah, whatever you want uh, you can't say procurement on this podcast. No, not procurement. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. planned field trips to like Kuwait into camel dairy farms, but also like help professors with their research. You know, like it was really bizarre. They were just like, we need people to do. But the kids who go to this, are they there for, it's just like a, uh, a broad type thing? Or are they no, there for four years? It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's right? a okay. whole thing. So it was like 30% American, super international, people from the Emirates and everything. Like, So you were just there like experience. as a young, in your like early 20s just doing whatever they needed and making a ton of money and going to the beach and yeah. eating $5 Indian food. Yeah, there was a lot of that. That sounds great. Sounds like the life. So it's great, except that like I hadn't come to the Middle East at all to be to be doing that, to live like an American lifestyle, to live like an upgraded American lifestyle. The reason that somebody like me was curious about the Middle East was, you know, a lot of that came out of just the shadow of 9-11 and feeling that we weren't really engaging with this part of the world as fully as we could be or as personally um that there's a lot of fear about this whole region you know we tried to learn a language to find a way in stuff like that um and just to go to a place and be super comfortable felt like a huge cop-out you know what year were you there what year was that um i got there in 2010 uh in like august of 2010 and then uh, the arab spring basically started in, in december and then did you have to leave right away? No, because, you know, in Abu Dhabi, you wouldn't have known yeah, anything to say, to change. Yeah, I was going to say, Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah. Nothing, nothing at all. Um, you know, Bahrain, you know, kind of next door, there were things happening. But for the most part, you know, life was exactly the same. And that just made it more obvious that for people that had come to... Right, you were in the wrong place. They were you want to be where the Arab Spring is. Oh! Come, we'd come a lot closer. You know, it's like you're, you're going to the Bronx for Italian food or something. You're, like, going up to Arthur Avenue. Yeah. And, like, you get off at the wrong stop, and you're at a Dwayne Reed. And you're like, well, like... <laughs> they're like refrigerated meatball subs. I guess I'm close. Like, oh. no, you're so, you're even, it's even worse. You want to like, be with yeah. the action. It's a larger, like when I was in Thailand and there was bad metal, all those, but whatever. <laughs> I was like, I got you. I was like in Thailand and it's like luxury resorts and there was these crazy student protests going on you see on the news. Yes. And when I got back, people would ask me about them. Yeah. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like I wasn't, Thailand. I was not in the like. That's not the Middle East. No, no, no it's different time. I'm saying same oh, kind of experience. You're oh. like, I'm not in the like. You're like in a comfortable area. Like, absolutely. Like you weren't like in most of the Middle East. The countries, you know. Absolutely. If you're interested in actually getting a sense of what's really going on, it makes it so much more obvious that you're just not there. You know, um, and 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 friends of mine who studied uh, Arabic and went to places like Bahrain or Egypt or Tunisia, they were like, "Oh my God, shit is popping off." And I was like. <laughs> So you could like pl- you, so you make it sound like a cool house yeah. party. Well, so like but none of them went there expecting those things to <laughs> the happen. Sig I mean, house no. Was, it kind of came out of No, they didn't, but at the same time, you know, if you wanted to understand a place and you were there kind of where the heartbeat of the of the region seemed to be, that still felt you know, there is something I don't want to say shameful, but something a bit, you know, iffy about being so excited by a revolution, but everybody was excited. You know, the Egyptians that I talked to in my building were like, this is awesome. What do you think about our revolution? You know? Yeah. Um, there was that excitement at first and, and it, and it kind of depressing in hindsight and similar. Although I guess Tunisia's 
Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of things, that excitement always has to turn into, you know, this, this initiative for change. And it says, well, you know, after, after you follow that wave, you have to do something with it. There is going to be the hard work of actual development. And, um, and that hasn't happened in a lot of places for sure. You think you should get on a plane and fly to Iran and get in, like, I missed this opportunity, but I'll, yeah, we'll come, <laughs> I'll come back now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got a metaphor. It's like being in Syracuse, New York during Woodstock, <laughs> right? <laughs> 1969. Yes. And you're like, I was close. I was close. I was close. But also like and you'd and you'd you'd moved to New York State because you're like, to I've heard about New York my whole childhood. Summer love. You're I'm telling, in Syracuse. Yeah. You know what? Syracuse is beautiful in the summer. Oh, Calvin doesn't like <laughs> it. Is. He went to Syracuse. It is. I wouldn't have my grandparents went to Syracuse. I wouldn't exist if it weren't for Syracuse. Yeah, neither would I. I would. And, <laughs> and I, it sucks. Syracuse is horrible. Yeah. Um Wow. But, okay. So then what you so you're like, I gotta get in the middle of it? It was just a feeling that I had to I had to travel. In, in a kind of wider radius, and I had to start going to the places where people said not to go. I mean, that was that was a, a big part of the initiative at first, was just people said, you know, when I was growing up, and we were growing up in the States, people said this whole region, whatever the boundaries are, which are kind of fuzzy, uh, the whole region's basically off limits. Right. It's dangerous, and so because of that, it's just not worth... Well, they don't even have to say don't go, because it's just assumed you're not going to go there. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think yeah. no one, there's no honeymoons in uh, Afghanistan. There's no honeymoons in Afghanistan, and there really should be. That would have been a good That's name a great for name for a book. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sequel. That's a great. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Huh? What do you got? Billion dollar idea. Yeah. We all own a third of it because okay. it's, it came up on the pod. Yep. Your next book. Uh huh. I don't know if you're, what your status is with your relationship, but whenever you decide to get it's married, good. your honeymoon needs to be Af- Afghanistan, uh, and the book's called "There's No Honeymoons." In you got to call you put your tour because yeah. coming out of me, I've lost I've lost some of with some friends. I've lost some of my ability to pitch vacations. <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, but I don't trust you fully." Yeah, but this it's, is it. It's, it's four seasons. No, in we're Kabul. doing it for the book for sure. Okay, yeah, this yeah. is a money making venture. I think of your ma- your wet your marriage is off to a bad start if your your honeymoon is for a book. No, you, that's why you let me pitch it. You let me but isn't that, isn't that modern life now? Yes. It's like so much of what you're doing is for your own narrative. You got to gram it. Yeah, your brand. Right. Your, your, your brand. Your name has got to be on brand. brand. Yeah. Um, but no, but it was basically like, look, you know, I think I'd internalized this kind of hierarchy of forbidden places in some ways. You know, it's a ranking that makes absolutely no sense. But just in your gut, if somebody said Lebanon, you'd go, well, yeah, you know, it's out there, but Beirut and it's supposed yeah, it's to be a, fancy. I the know Paris Lebanon, the Middle East. The Paris the Middle East. <laughs> absolutely. And somebody says Afghanistan, you go, that's worse, right? Like, so but, that means better. Be, yeah. Worse means better for you because you want to go to the crazy right, more authentic. Place. So I wanted no co. I, I feel like is uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah. <laughs> all I wanted to do honestly was to was to push back at least once against the simplest kind of uh, reputation, the simplest stereotypes of a whole place. You know where a country was branded by talking about brands. You know where a country has a brand. And it covers everything within its borders, um, you know, indiscriminately. It doesn't matter whether you're in Kabul or whether you're in the north, whether you're in a city or you're in a rural place. It's all the same. It's all Afghanistan, and so it must all be equally dangerous. (laughs) Shitholes. Swear to God, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, this shithole ranking. (laughs) By the way, by the time this pod comes out February 7th, uh, he's already said 10 worse things. Oh, yeah. I wonder. Shithole, I feel like we'll stick because that encapsulates. That's exactly how we thought about it. That's exactly how we think about these places. Yeah. They're shitholes. And then maybe like... That's why it's helping him. He's speaking the truth though. <laughs> People think that way. Well, the crazy thing is that like, you know, I was pushing back definitely not against... It wasn't... It's not fake news. Like when there is a story about, you know, a bombing in Afghanistan, 
it's true. It's, yeah. I don't think that's not true. But you know, uh, this is this is what happens when you get stories only of a particular type. You get the bombing stories, but you never get like a thousand Afghans have a dope picnic today. You don't get oh, that story. No, but I I mean I think it's it's in some ways it's such a simple realization. It's like yeah right. The way that we get our media is the same as somewhere like the, these these. Um, these gaps between what a place is really like and what you hear are always wide. It's, a, it's such a simple idea, and yet when we apply it to so many of these places that have been branded for so long, at least for the past you know 17 years of war or something, um, they've been branded so clearly with such a skew uh, towards the, the the danger side. We forget to just apply. Well, look, Afghanistan. Somebody comes back and says Afghanistan's dangerous, and you go, but what about what? What are the other? What's the other side? What, yeah. What could be the other side? Um, were there people like you that you met out there who were also, like, was there, like, this community of, I don't know if backpackers is a term, but travelers who were all, all trying to do what you're doing, trying to go to, like, more and more dangerous places? Yeah, I mean, I think there definitely is that. And there is, you know, actual war tourism and stuff that's called, like, vulture tourism where people are happy to go into actual war zones. I wasn't trying to find actual war zones. So if I went to somewhere like... I mean, I went, I went back to some of these places. I went to Iraq kind of at the height, start of the ISIS push into northern Iraq. Jeez. You know, but we'd get to a place where I remember standing on, on a hilltop and we're looking out and uh, it's like 40 kilometers away. And they go, oh, that fire, that's where ISIS is. That's where, that's this town that they took. So like, what's that, 30 miles away, 25 miles yeah, away? Yeah, but it's across a border between Iraq proper and Iraqi Kurdistan, which is a patrolled border, which actually it means something it's a border that means something you know it's like makes it's it's bigger than the difference between like you know Pennsylvania and Jersey they actually have police the border and have different okay. visas whatever but it still feels really close and to have that moment where you go okay it's close and I see it and yet it's still at a certain distance yeah it makes it more real in a way that's that uh, it it reduces the fear I think pretty seriously to know that you can still be that close, but also not to be in a dangerous place at all. Like we had just come from taking Jaeger bombs at a bar, yeah. and we were Kurds shooting love air the Jaeger bombs. Like <laughs> I've always heard that about the Kurds. Kurds. Oh my god, more than I've ever seen in my life. Do they really? I, I don't want to generalize, but I have had more <laughs> that night than Please the do. entire rest of my life combined. For wait, sure. where? Just at a bar in, in Iraq, in, in, uh, in Iraqi Kurdistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So wait, what's it? Yeah, what's it like there? I I can't imagine the Jaeger bombs. So that's a place where like uh, when there's actual bombs, you know. Yeah. Well, Iraqi Kurdistan. It's a trigger. Sure. Maybe we should change the name. Call them Jaeger bombs. And it's a trigger. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. No, they're not as sensitive as Americans yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. Almost, <laughs> almost nobody is, to be yeah. honest. I mean, not all the snowflakes over there. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> we'll get the turn of snow. But there are yeah. some big high mountains. There are some pretty mountains. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. how do you end up in a bar doing Jaeger bombs with? Uh, Iraqi you know, Kurds. This is this is like just what happens if you show up in a place and you have. <laughs> that's it. I can you stop the, there. You got the Jaeger bomb look on your face. You just what the, happens. This guy looks thirsty. Not he even. looks like a guy you wanted to Jaeger bomb. Let's does. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to go off from right now. Third book. Yeah. Jaeger, looks like Jaeger bombs Jaeger in Kurdistan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, if you if you show up in a place where you don't have like a lot of ideas about what what it is you're planning on doing, but you say I'm willing I'm willing on you know. To meet somebody and I'm say, up for anything. Oh, I'm up for anything. <laughs> no, you don't want to be kidnapped by ISIS. You just, you know, but absolutely. You're like up for I'm, I'm down for whatever. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, they're especially if you're like a young person out of college or whatever. You know, you're people are 
really interested in a lot of the same things basically anywhere, especially like if you're a guy and you're doing guy things, but it's not just that. Like, you know, I so, met the broiest girls ever in Iran or in Tajikistan, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> Another name for it. Everything's a book here. <laughs> broiest girls ever in Iran. <laughs> That's a good, these are all chapters. Chapters. <laughs> we gotta rewrite this all book. I mean, yeah. All I mean to say is, yeah, you go Second the, edition. down for whatever, down for whatever, you'll, you'll find your way into all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So are these uh, people that you're doing Jaeger bombs with, are these locals or are these mm. other travelers like yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo- yeah. This locals. Was, you know, a racket guy from Erbil who's still And still they're just playing like, what, like Jersey, like Springsteen's on. Like, <laughs> Who needs a Jager bomb? Jager bomb, Jager bomb, Jager bomb. Yeah, music could be whatever. There's a lot of American music. I'm buying music. around. Yeah. What kind of music? Like <laughs> hip hop? Uh... Yeah, there'd be hip hop. There'd be like, you know, maybe kind of Lebanese pop music and stuff like that. <laughs> there'd be like a lot of American stuff for sure. But there was a guy who came in and bought a hundred Jager bombs. Dom- <laughs> That's what I think it was of. A domino. It was a domino of Jager bombs with fireworks in them for the whole bar. Just a chic or something? I think or it was was like, it? No, I think it was just like a rich businessman who was trying to impress the girl he was with or something i think that's what it was <laughs> but are the girls like actual like single women at these places or they're not in like, northern rack yeah yes, uh <laughs> you know and and that's no i mean like in I some like countries how, no matter who hey, we have on the it? podcast it no. always are, they, are the girls there this. no no because i mean in some areas my friend who <laughs> lives my friend who lives in kuwait he, he goes to his bars or so you go to a bar there's no women right they're not allowed right that's what i'm getting <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah different places will be different for sure but i mean across a lot a lot of the middle east you definitely have Places where, I mean, most most of the places are places where where women are less in public, which made it really cool to travel sometimes with. I traveled with my girlfriend a couple of times, and I traveled with uh, girl friends of mine, um, and that was cool because they had a kind of access that I I didn't sometimes. You know, where they could meet women who were more trusting of them right off the bat, and would bring them into. Um, their circles in ways that you know I didn't have access to. Was your girlfriend with you the whole time? No, she came to Abu Dhabi for about uh, a month and a half uh, while I was there, and then she went to law school. Uh, different, <laughs> different. How path. long? How long were you there? Um, in total, I mean, how long were you in traveling in total? Because yeah. I know you went so all over the place. It was a lot of like it was a lot of short trips. I was living in Abu Dhabi for this you know year and a half or so, and I would go somewhere and then come back. And it was all within the else. year and a half. Yeah, it was all within that. Oh, I mean, I've been back. Okay. I've been back to a lot of places since. Um, but you know, I I think you know we talked about this hierarchy and put and wanting to go to dangerous places. Yeah. At, at a certain point, you realize like that whole impulse is pretty fucked up. Like yeah. if you if you've actually you, you've made a chart of the world in your head that says these places are more off limits, and so I want them more. It for it makes it so that you can never really engage with the place on its own terms you know what i mean you've gone in everywhere it's like going on a first date and being like i've heard that this person is creepy i don't think so but i'm going to go on the date right and the whole rest of the evening is framed in terms of that initial uh uh fear or whatever and to go into a place and go i think you're dangerous maybe you won't be but i think you're dangerous maybe it's bullshit it's really bullshit and it's really damaging if you want to actually get a sense of what so what what did you do did you so i I mean, I, you know, was kind of pushing those limits at first. So, you know, I would go to, I went to Syria at the start of the revolutions and people oh. were like, you'll die for sure. Like, yeah. I mean, that was a place where, you know, the State Department travel warnings were like, once you get off, you'll get off the plane. <laughs> protests could happen anywhere. Uh, and then people shoot at people in the protests. And so you just can't know. Oh, you, like, okay. And just anything, you know. And, uh, and when I got there, I mean, the truth was that protests happen on Friday afternoons right after afternoon prayer, uh, just outside the mosques. So like, if, 
you wanted to get involved, you you could, you know, but you you absolutely weren't flying into when you landed in Damascus. You weren't like now I'm in a fucking shit storm. Like, yeah, right. you you weren't. What year you was this? That was that was in 2011. Okay. Um, and so, what was your? Were you trying to get as close to danger as possible with an, without getting killed, <laughs> yeah, or so, were you, was there another thing you were trying to learn? I think in some ways I wanted to find out where the borders actually were. You know, like not that I wanted to get as close as possible, but I did want to find out. Where, if there was danger, where is it actually? And to, and to, in some ways, cordon that off and to redraw the borders of off limitsness in a place where they actually were. You know, that's like the, you know, that, that ISIS fire. That was somewhere where I could go. Where I'm standing is for sure not dangerous. I'm hanging out on the top of a hill at night with some bros. Yeah. Where that is. <laughs> Doing Jaeger bumps. <laughs> and where, where that fire is, is actually dangerous. So if I was, you know, 8,000 miles away, somebody might say Iraq is off limits and they draw a board around the whole country. Sure. And I could say, well, no, let's, let's, Parts instead of, of just, let's draw a circle around where this is happening. And to me, it makes, it makes the whole world a lot less scary because you've taken this scary territory. It's minesweeper. You know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> you figured out yeah. where it is. Uh, that's actually a problem. Um, so what'd you do with the Somali pirates? So that <laughs> speaking Segway. of danger, dude. So I mean, that's so that was kind of the end, you know. Like these trips would lead to one another. If somebody, you know, I come back from Syria and people said I couldn't go there, and I went, well, you know, maybe Afghanistan, maybe Pakistan, where Osama's house was, maybe you know, Iraq. You went to Osama's you house. You went to Bin Laden's house. I was outside. Yeah, I don't mean After to be, he was, you know, tan. Yeah, I went. You right. call him Osama? <laughs> Osama. <laughs> we're on, yeah. Well, they call him OBL up there. OBL. Do OBL, they? OBL, yeah. Well, I don't know Shout anymore, out. but they... Shut <laughs> 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 uh, Yeah, I was there about five weeks after he was killed. Oh, that's... You were there, really? Yeah. That close to... Was it like... Yeah. What was it like outside the house at that point? Were you... So they had soldiers outside the house then. At first, uh, at first, people had come up. Like, right afterwards, people would drive up and uh, take selfies against the house, and people were like, this is hilarious. Right. It's um, like the opposite of really? taking a picture outside the 9-11 yes. memorial. It's actually totally... <laughs> totally fine taking selfies outside of I took a picture of the 9 11 memorial and Cap thinks it was wrong because I smiled. There's <laughs> <laughs> all these names. What are you supposed to do? It's a picture. It's 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 hard to know. This is why this is why they the like frowny face? Yeah. Yeah. I mean the OBL house is more interesting. It's like <laughs> OBL house. It's, like, it's, it's very catchy. Like it's, 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 it's the new Anne Frank house, but it's more I mean more interesting. He was hiding oh, out here. Mega beta lambda house. OBL house. Alpha, alpha beta. That's what yeah, you want to do, Jaeger bombs. Yeah. Oh, oh the that's a great house idea. They up Yeah. That's true. So so they at Wait, first so did you see the news? You want zero dark thirty <laughs> and then you just I'm buying a ticket. I'll be there in five days. So, so I had this. I had this invite. I had a friend who lived in Karachi, which is really on the opposite side of the country. Um, she had a grandmother who lived in Eptabad, which is where, which is this town where where Osama was found. And um, OBL. OBL. Yeah. And and they they had invited me to come. And uh, I this was part. It was part of the trip to Afghanistan. And I flew across to to Pakistan. Um, and at first they said, "Don't come." They said, "You know, when I was flying in there, they said." Uh, now they're arresting these people who they are accusing of collaborating with the CIA. So any kind of American is going to be in danger. Everything, like, there's a lot of suspicion. Bit of a hot zone. Yeah. <laughs> Even though, well, it was a bit of a soft, it was, it was kind of awkward for them. Yeah, the Pakistanis. Oh, exactly, because they denied he was there the entire time, yeah. and everyone knew he was. It was, then... it was a super bizarre thing. For people in town, they, were, they would say, in the same breath, they would say, um, we, he, we, he wasn't here. 
but we know everything, and and we would know if he was right because um, it was in an area they, that you had to be protected. A lot of people said like they would have to know you were there. Yeah, and, and there were these big so houses. close to the military. And yeah, yeah, for sure. And they would go, we're 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 not we're nosy people, so we know everything. But also <laughs> we, we know that we let people like people live in these compounds with relatively high walls, and they keep to themselves. And you know, uh, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> and so there's. So it's talking in circles. There's a lot of circles. Um, they would say, well, I just, I just don't know why they would have thrown his body in the ocean. That doesn't make sense. A lot of people thought, which is what you know the the, the U.S. Oh, conspiracy did. theories. Um, you know, basically to make it so that it wasn't a memorial where people would come to and say, oh, "This is okay. the house, and this is the body, and this is a shrine, and we'll do whatever." Yeah. Um, but yeah, but but after a month, you know, they started arresting people and cracking down. They were patrolling around the place, and um, so you're like, "I'm going. I'm going there." <laughs> I'm going. I didn't. I didn't go at first. When I landed, I didn't go because they were too afraid. And then once I'd gotten to my friend's house and her family had met me, um, it was largely because they were like, "Oh, you eat food with your hands, also. You'll fit in." <laughs> 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 because at first, at first, like the her grandmother was like, "You cannot send an American here. It's going to endanger the whole family." Yeah. And I got to Karachi, and they were like, "You like walking around barefoot. You're eating with your hands, like." Is she saying you can pass a Pakistani or <laughs> It wasn't even like I can't. They, sure, being slightly brown can help, but I don't. I don't walk or move like a pack. Like I don't. Right. I, okay. I, I, it's not I like can't. a test where they're like, "We're gonna arrest you." Let me see you eat. Eat, eat this bowl of food right here. Oh, you're using your hands. All right, you're I fine. Was something, but yeah, it was something way subtler than that. It was just look, you you are not everything that we expected. If we imagine some American that was just gonna be like just blasting Springsteen, <laughs> yeah. whatever, and showing Waving up being a like, flag, yeah, just flexing. wearing a baseball yeah, cap. And constantly. Yeah. They're like, nah, okay. Doing drop cool. kicks. Yeah. She said she felt really bad. I still, I still... Did you ever... Was it ever like, you feel like irresponsible? For sure. <laughs> it was deliberately irresponsible, honestly. Because yeah. people would say, you can't go to these places. You can't engage. I'd say, really? Do you think so? And they'd go, well, in some ways, better safe than sorry. But when you say better safe than sorry, you make it so that you, you end a discussion. You stop being able to actually have a conversation and to push back and say, well, here's actual evidence that I really found, you know? Um, I, I wanted to go maybe 10 steps further than I thought I, your average person could, I guess. Just out of, like, on, contrarian? Out of, in some ways, like, that's what a, a good, that's what good science would be, just to push a little further. And I'm not trying to push all the way until... I get killed and I go, cool, that was the border right yeah. there. That's where. <laughs> but, Sacrifice but, yourself for science. But to go, you know, in Afghanistan or something where guys show up and they're supposed to drive me into the center of the country and the car that shows up is filled with four guys and it's just like a dirty white sedan. And I'm going, that's not the car that I expected. If I had kids at home, maybe I'd go, look, I can't just push this one because that's the thing that looks kidnappy. You're not supposed <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Especially like, you, but if you do sit in the middle and then they're like sit in the middle and you go, ah, uh, shit, that's how you get kid. Do your parents have a ransom fund set aside for you? This one? <laughs> I had to just start lying to my parents. That's what it was. Yeah, what'd you do? Up. What'd you tell them? At a certain point, uh, Syria, like basically my first trip into anywhere that had a, had a real uh, reputation of danger, um, I told them I was going to Lebanon. I was, and I was going over the border to Syria. And they're like, don't go to Syria. Um, Somehow, like Jewish mothers, just know they know, they know when you're not. This is like a Jewish mother's worst nightmare. This whole. Yeah. Well, did you just? I would just be calling my mom. If, oh, I, I'm in Syria. I met a lovely girl. Oh, I'm yeah. In, yeah. I'm in a, I met another lovely girl. The cra- I met a lovely girl. <laughs> <laughs> they somehow they know, which is the craziest thing. Like I would, I would land in Beirut, you know, and and she'd go, "Oh, how is it? It's great," you know, and 
a few days later, I'd be in Damascus, you know, literally miles away. And I'd get an email from my mother being like, hey, where are you? Like I'd gone from being 7,000 miles away to being like 7,050 miles away. She knew. And she's like, something's up. I yeah. think something's <laughs> up. Um, they have ransom insurance. You just got to tell your parents. Here it is. Do they have that? <laughs> yeah. I, I, for, well, I mean, like my ransom insurance. Like all famous people have it, for instance. Like people or people who are like rich who really? travel. Yeah, and it's people super rich people who travel. They all have it because like, makes sense. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you just gotta. Yeah, I, I think I, I. To be honest, like most, I was rarely actually in any danger. I mean, sure, there's always there's always the possibility that something very anomalous can happen, but but. You know, I mean, a lot of this really did play out the way that, you know, if you're friends who would see a shooting, a mass shooting or something in the U.S. and say, I'm not going to America anymore or something like that. These played out the same way that those trips to America would. Got it. You're like, I'm yeah. not here. I'm just you're like, not. it's fine. It's not. At, at, at moments, I really do see, you know, in Afghanistan, there are three roads out of Kabul. Two of them have Taliban checkpoints. You can't go. You just can't do that. It's like you don't. Wait, you went through that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. But there's a third the road fake ID that try. doesn't, you know? And so I that see. difference is a real difference that actually matters. And the Taliban's got to get its act together. Why don't they have that road? Yeah, they, exactly. What, what are they doing? That's, uh, that's uh, U.S. forces and coalition yeah. stuff, New Zealand. So all those years all those years of war, we've got that one road. we got, we got that one road, <laughs> which, ain't, which ain't nothing. I mean, it makes it so that, you know, parts of the, parts of the country are really different. Is right. this addictive? Do you want to keep doing it? There's a huge part of it. I mean, and so what's left? Like, North Korea. North Korea, is that it? <laughs> no, so that's the thing. Like, What's more dangerous? Arabic's not going to help there. So this is, it's like, it, the end of the book, and not to spoil anything, but I mean, a big part of this is about escaping from needing to frame the world in these terms. Okay. You know, that if you, it is, it is super addictive. The adrenaline rush, you know, I'm a uh, very obviously a neurotic Jew. And that means that you're thinking you're anxious about things far into the future. It feels like a huge relief to put your life on the line or to think you are at least in some way so that all you can think about is the moment, you know, and that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Um, and for sure that, that relief becomes, Ex- extremely addictive, but f- what it takes to do is to fr- is to 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 see the whole world as like the series of off limits places in these really big fuzzy chunks. That's fucking bullshit. Like it's and it's it's really harmful. And I don't we see that uh, we see that in American politics and the way that we you know craft policy is often based in these kind of oversimplified. So what are you? So what's the what? Um how can you frame it then? Or wh- how did you change your mind when you were going into these places? It's some, w- did you realize this at the end or did you right. realize oh, it like yeah. halfway Tiny. along the way? Yeah, I mean, this to get back to the pirates. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah we never, that's what I was going to say. We never, I, the I never Somalian pirates. I mean, I really did run out of spots. I, I, I quit. <laughs> so you went to Somalia? I quit, my, I quit my job. Basically, like I was running around in circles. I made it so that I don't know if anybody from NYU is listening to this. I, I didn't turn into the best employee ever because I was like, this isn't what I came to do. I had a bunch of different bosses, and I could make it so that like I showed up at work 45 minutes a month. Really? We just, can edit this out of the NYU feed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they hiring? Yeah, <laughs> I can do this. You can do 45 minutes a month. I'll, I'll go to Abu Dhabi. We can do this over the other over the phone for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> How's the internet speed? Um, but I just knew that that wasn't what I'd come for, so I quit and I I went to Yemen uh, with a friend, and we'd heard. I mean, I still wasn't set. Like, there still wasn't the relief. If I thought that somehow I was going to climb, you know, high enough on that ladder of off-limits places and get somewhere and go, okay, I feel, 
I'm good now. But there's nowhere. There's no end. There's ends. no end to that because it's it's bull. It was bullshit to start, and you yeah. can always keep putting things up there. Um, but we'd heard that there were boats to Somalia, <laughs> and. <laughs> And some, Somalia, I really do think that in that gut feeling hierarchy, Somalia has always had a special place in America. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always. You know? Always. I mean, the branding is just very clean. <laughs> I mean, real pirates. Re- there, there are actual pirates. I always wish um, they would have hook hands. <laughs> yeah. Just to make them even more scary. Yeah. Uh, just so great they still have pirates. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> Something quaint about it. Yeah. Such an old school profession. Yeah. I, I, it taps into so many things, which is, yeah. And, uh, and then to hear that there was a boat, you're like, the, uh, So you got on a boat? We heard there were boats. The first thing we did, we, we, got on, we were kind of road tripping south through Yemen. We get to the port in Yemen. First thing we did, I mean, I think this is mostly me and my friend being like, What the fuck are you doing, man? Okay, we're you pushed this, it. It, was, I, it. It became this obsession. It became this really like all consuming, just what do I do in order to keep feeding this? whatever had given me a little bit of relief, I went, that, I need more of that. You it's know? an addic- addiction. Yeah. It's an addiction yeah. that was used, honestly, to replace, like, actually growing up. Or oh, actually your parents, I would have sent you some heroin or something, just to, like, right. get, get into this instead. Yeah, this Opioids. would be better. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's we a, got a whole crisis going back at like, home. It's like yeah. methadone. <laughs> What's the methadone for this kind yeah. of... No, for sure. And uh, To replace growing up, you were saying? Yeah, to you replace... Think? Because, yeah. I mean, what's the, I think that was the biggest part of, of growing up, coming out of college and being like, I'm not really sure what I'm trying to do. Um, there are a million decisions to make. So I mean, what, I taught kids in China, less dangerous. Yeah. Sure. Could have done that. But, <laughs> but it's, Ice it's, cream business. Yeah. yeah. Which is really, a tr- that was more of a choice than I made. I mean, so many of the things I was doing was to avoid choice. Same. Is, yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like the ways that we do that, come, I mean, they come out in different ways for different people, but a lot of the effects are sometimes similar in how you oversimplify, you know, what you're not engaging with to make it seem like what you are doing uh, it makes more sense or is more worthwhile. And so you, so yours manifests itself by you being on a pirate boat. So I, <laughs> so it wasn't a pirate. I just wanted to, so I, I thought if I get to Somalia, you yeah. know, that's the top, right? Won't I, I break the, like I'll have be beaten done. the level. Yeah. And I'll raise I'm a like, flag. I'll, ra- you know, <laughs> I felt cursed in a way. I'm like, I'll, I'll break the curse, you know? Yeah. Um, and basically managed to, to hitchhike on this, on this <laughs> cookie boat. It was, a, it was a trader's boat carrying uh, a, a quarter million pounds of, of like, Tea biscuits. Oh, teas. Really? really like chalky, not good. Like uh oh Oreos, but worse. Well, that's what the pirates did. To Somalia? To Somalia from Yemen. But that's yeah. the key. You'll go on a boat that doesn't have good merch, good stuff, and then people are gonna, <laughs> pirates aren't going to. Somali well, pirates. Uh, the, the, even the pirates have kids at home. They got to bring presents to when they get home from that's pirating. That's true. But Somali pirates. <laughs> raping never... and pillaging. They got <laughs> to bring some home <laughs> yeah. for the kids. Maybe some cookies. Some no, cookies. these boats, these boats How? were pretty safe, except for the fact that they were really old boats, and every once in a while they sunk. Now is this oh, like a? So that was the danger, but the, the, and but they probably have lots of life vests and. There, there might be life vests, but there are also a lot of sharks. In, yeah. In oh my that god! Was it sea? safe because what Cap said? Because no one wants cookies, or was it? Why was it safe? It was safe from pirates, um, partly because that particular stretch between Aden and South Yemen and uh, Berbera, which is the port that I hit in in what's Somali land. It's it's uh, it's pretty different from the rest of Somalia. Yeah. In terms of kind of rule of law and that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, that part, there basically aren't successful attacks. The patrols from the Navy and things like that, uh, have done a good job of, of pushing that further out into the Indian ocean. 
And um, what? Not that I knew that when I got on yeah, the boat. Yeah, jeez. I didn't care. I just I basically went. Look, there there are ten guys on this boat. This is their job. They're doing this kind of thing. I want to hang out with these guys. I don't need to be safer than the ten Tanzanians and Kenyans and Indian guys that are working this boat. So that that's fine already. Um, Was this a boat like? I'm yeah. thinking like. Um, Cruise uh, ship, like the shrimp boat on Forrest Gump, or like this is a big cruise ship. What no, type, what size yeah, boat? more like that. It was like a hundred feet long, wooden. Uh, it's a dow, so it's, it's like one that of these big, old. Hundred feet. No, it's pretty short. Yeah, it's pretty it's short. Out of Titanic. Mostly just tarps covering, just tons and tons. How and tons long? Of we, how long was that trip? It was a day. Was one a day. day. It was one day long. I think it was supposed to be faster, but the boat was kind of broken, so it was like chugging along. And oh when you God. got off, um, were you like, I'm done? I just took a boat to no. Somalia? No, so I got off, and I was like, now what? You know? And I, <laughs> oh, my God. I was went your friend to, just like, dude, we got to go home? My friend, by that point, had already left. Yeah. He, he oh, had he left, left, you, me, he left you go on the boat by yourself? He left me in Yemen. He went back. He went back to Abu Dhabi. He went, I got to go back to work and be a, be a human being. And also, like... It was this process of waiting for a boat where it wasn't legal. We had to bribe people to get on the boat okay. and waiting, and we never knew when it was going to leave. Dude. It was the only reason that anybody would have waited and done it is, is out of sheer obsession. So, and how was Somalia, though? So Somalia, <laughs> I mean Somali, Somali land. How was Somalia? So, Somali land. So oh, it's beautiful yeah. in the springtime. It is. It was the winter. It's really gorgeous. Oh, and it, <laughs> you know? No, swear to God. So, so you ask. I mean, Somalia. Somalia is actually has really pretty. I've never been to other parts of Somalia. You gotta go. I, you gotta go. I, I honestly would love to. <laughs> uh, don't tempt him. They have. They're supposed to have great beaches and great fish. Uh, so Italian architecture. And stuff. Okay, but, but then you're still not done. You still like. So what, I. What? So that was me. I was sitting in the capital of Somaliland, Hargeisa. It's this cool town. You can eat like good pasta. There's ca ancient cave paintings that are really cool just outside the city, but. When you sit there for long enough, and I had nothing else in my head that went, N I'm going to go here next. You know, if I'm not fully satisfied, at least I have this next thing coming. I didn't have anything left. And I was really forced to see that I, I was just, I was bored. You know what I mean? Like, it was a, f it's a fun town. I sat at the Oriental Hotel, drank really good tea, like, hung out with some people and stuff like that. But, like, it was normal. It wasn't, I wasn't getting adrenaline in a particular way i wasn't able to just process novelty and turn it into uh you know some yeah. sort of distraction um and it's a moment where i really had to basically just face the truth you know that i was going home that i'd left the job that i had to grow up in a certain way that i just really really hadn't um so what'd you do i, I went home and I, I wrote this book you went back to america <laughs> oh, really yeah. you know what you could have done you could become one of those Russians who like stands on the top of buildings, yeah, without a rope, and you know, and see if they can still not fall off. I have you I, seen those guys, Cap. No, you haven't. I, I don't know. It's Dude, a real there's thing. these videos of these guys who stand on the top of skyscrapers. Oh, I have. Yeah, I've seen. And I they know just walk without a rope. I honestly, I don't not identify with that. You do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what um for our listeners? What's the best place to get pasta though, in Somalia? In Somalia? <laughs> So this is like the, it's the only good. How's the, how's the gravy? It's the only upshot. Amazing. So, so it's, it's the only upshot of like we're, Italian we're big in Somalia. We're colonial good. history. Yeah. 
A lot, uh, of, lot of pod listeners down there. Right. I hope so. Uh, they don't have good radio, so they, they, they have veal down there. Got like a little. Yeah. So you go to the Oriental Yabaku? Hotel. You Try walk the out. I think you take a right and Try a left out of the Oriental Hotel. Find Where the first left. restaurant. Oriental Hotel. And, uh, and it's mostly you eat pasta with your hand. I learned how to. Now, were they pasta offended by the term Oriental down there? So the reason they called this place the Oriental Hotel in Somalia was that the idea of uh, you know hospitality in the Middle East, like this is in some ways a generalization, but is is repeatedly true. Hospitality is uh, just a, is a fact of life in a way that it is not. Yeah, American no, they're really West. they're they're really hospitable. You, you oh, know, really? You don't yeah. show up at people's houses, and I mean, li- even like the pirates China, offer like, your cookies. But you know what I mean? We're pirates, yeah. These guys, you know, they uh, so like you know, offering somebody tea and a place in your house, a visitor is treated in a, in a really special way. Wow. Um, basically everywhere. Uh, like if you, you know, if I got invited off the street to lunch in a place in Yemen, that's normal. It's really nice, but it's also normal. If that happened in New York, you'd be like, you're a fucking psychopath. Absolutely yeah. not. Am I coming into your house? <laughs> um, so they called this place the Oriental Hotel because it was founded in the 50s, I think, and it was the first hotel in, in Somaliland. And they went, this is such a foreign concept, the idea that so we're going to charge people money to stay in our town, Oh, that it's Oriental. It's an Oriental concept. And they might as well. There's nothing. Blame there's nothing. Like only Orientals would oh. pay. I thought Oriental no, was like that. It was Middle <laughs> Eastern and yeah. Well, you mean that just means for? That means like alien. It just meant yeah. yeah it's just not from here. They Got might. It. They could have called it far Occidental or Far Western or yeah. something like that. But it, it just meant you know this is not. This is really not what we do here. I didn't tie the word Jew into it. So it's <laughs> so, <laughs> so you. So you came back and wrote the book. So you're like, I have to do something with this. I mean, I think that that was a building kind of desire while I was there. Because, I mean, partly this was, at first, I think my parents and people that I heard that I thought of as educated people who still had these prejudices about big parts of the world, that was a lot of motivation. Some of that contrarianness, but also... But I think the yeah, but, and then the idea of running away and all that, that yeah. that's a whole different level that I think relates it to is, a lot of people. You know, it's crazy, because like... It's just a way for a kid who is thinking about a ton of different things. This, for me, was a way where they all sort of came together, where I could justify a lot of different things of rebelling, but doing it for a purpose, and running away, but technically running towards something, you know, and of just <laughs> fight, you know, and I could turn it all into the same thing and say, yeah, what I'm doing is good, right? You know, like it feels good deep down because I'm getting adrenaline, and it feels good high up in my head because I'm going, this is like justifying a good, this, it yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I really did want to not confront fake news again, you know, but to contribute to like a much larger discourse where certain stories didn't exist. And because of that, we have these skewed perceptions about places. And because of those skewed perceptions, we start going, uh, I guess certain policies make sense in a way that they wouldn't if you saw things in a more complicated way. Well, great. And it's doing seemingly really well. You know, they don't even really tell me, man. Really? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. It, wait, who's the publisher? It was Norton in the U.S. and the U.K. Yeah. Norton. Yeah. Well, based mm-hmm. off reviews, though, the reviews are all super positive. It's been really great, man. Um, you know, there there have been, there was, there was, I don't know if I should even bring this up, you know, but there there was some controversy in kind of literary circles in the U.S. from people 
whose critique was largely, you know, if you're not from this part of the world, you shouldn't write about it. Oh, that's a whole... Oh, fuck that. Cultural appropriation. I, world. We're, we are alt middle on this podcast. So, no, but I that's mean, a major problem in the literary world in America at the moment, is people saying that. And they, they say that about fiction, which is even worse. You're you not allowed to... Characters, yeah. You're only allowed to write about where you're from? That's a boring world. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, it's worse than boring in some ways. I think it's it's dangerous because we have this gap, we have this communication gap in the U.S. between people who really do know about these par- these places and people who really don't. And in some ways, we've lost the language to even, where anybody could say a thing that the other side, if they're sides, would even understand, you know? Also, yeah, so with you, apart. I mean, if it, based on what you just told me, this is a story about you. It's a story about growing up that in some ways, I, I would love it if people could read this in the same way that you'd read fiction or in the same way that you'd read any kind of coming-of-age story. Like yeah. This could t- like Catcher in the Rye, you know. Is it just in, takes place there. It could be in the mid-Atlantic. Right. It, it just, wouldn't be that different. You could find dangerous things to, to satisfy some kind of Right, for sure. You'd be on yeah. opioids, but no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not totally. It's a metaphor. Similar. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, where can people get it? Uh, anywhere. Well, no, no, no. They can only get it one place. Amazon. Oh, here's what they have to do. (laughs) Oh, really? And the only place they can get it to Amazon. The only way I think left on the internet to get to Amazon is to go through the Lost in America America Pod Uh website. Sure. Click the link in the upper right-hand corner. It'll take you back to Amazon. Okay. Get the Abu Dhabi Bar Mitzvah. That sounds... Type that in. I also moved it to the front of the Barnes & Noble right by the World Trade Center yesterday. I I just took it and I put it in the front. You physically are going around to bookstores moving it? That's a great move. I've thought about that. If I ever ever have a novel published, I will definitely go through a bookstore and just like move it. I had a friend get caught doing that, which I think, like for a writer, the most embarrassing thing. Well, especially if he's known at all. They just look at the back jacket and they're like, that's you you doing that, isn't it? I would sit there reading the book. You got to scratch your own back. This is really good. You put it down you gotta like your own posts, you know. Yeah. Oh God! Do, do you think, <laughs> you think the, the algorithms know? They tag you in some way. They're like, he he did it again. We're, like, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send him ads. This for is a the literary light. version of liking your own post. It, Dude, I move myself to the front, and then you get out of there. Nobody knows. Yeah. They, they, well, I, you should though. Though is you should just uh, uh, anonymously sign those copies when you're in the Barnes and Noble. That's true. Then they can't return them. Then they can't return them. Ooh, autographed copy. It's better than a book sign. I feel like the the final step of that is buying your own copies. People for sure do that. I luckily enough have enough Jewish relatives that are like, I bought eight. Nice. And I'm like, thank, thanks, <laughs> Uncle Ken. Yeah. It's great. I mean, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. anybody who has money on this also and is a writer, and then they that's what they do. They just they just buy all their copies. And- <laughs> I remember I read one time it was like how to become how to get on the New York Times bestseller list, and it was buy seventy thousand copies <laughs> of your own book. Right. Seventy thousand. Seventy thousand was the number that they said. Seventy thousand. Yeah, wow. and it was like, yeah. if you can invest that, then you'll be on the New York Times bestseller list, and then when you're on the list, you'll make it all back because you're on the New York Times bestseller list. It was just yeah. like business strategy. Guys, yeah. do you realize if people buy 70,000 copies of his book through Amazon, how much money we'll make? Yeah! <laughs> Let's like do we're it, in business Bob. together. I support, I support this Let's wet our Everybody gets a taste. Yeah. I'm just doing the math in my head. I'm getting excited. There are even picture, there are pictures inside. You don't even have to read. Read. You know? Bob, yeah. well, our audience that. isn't very literate, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so we got pictures, people. <laughs> All um, right, let's get uh, to the new, anything else to promote besides that. Do you have any um, readings coming or any? I do. I have uh, a, a reading on the 18th at uh, KGB. Eighteenth uh, of January. Eighteenth of oh, eighteenth of that's right. In the past, comes, after, February after February seventh. After February seventh. Um, there, w- there will be, I guess, uh, links. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to London uh, pretty soon, and then Ooh, I'm back la. here, and I'm around. Through your website? Of, uh, yeah, on my website. Yeah, AdamValenLevinson.com. And Adam Valen Levinson. 
Yeah, the double last name, that's, that's made life uh, very difficult. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, we're going to do the news. You want to stick around? For sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. What do you mean? Let's get to the news. The news. Baby. Right. Adam's still here. What's in the news on February 7th? First <laughs> news story. Oh, this is because we because we met in China. As I mentioned earlier, I wanted to give us a China story to start okay. out. Chinese. This is from the Shanghaiist.com. Okay. Chinese communist rap <laughs> is really taking over the airwaves, apparently. Wow. In his baseball cap and baggy yellow t-shirt, the rap star Li, Li Yijie better known by his stage name Pissy, Pissy. <laughs> is an unlikely face of China's straight-laced ruling Communist Party. Wow. His group, Tianfu Shibian, has won fans and the support of the party's youth league with songs like Force of Red and This Is China that chime with President Xi Jinping's nationalist vision of China and its place in the world. Now, I have also have a couple, I just got to read this, I have a couple quotes from this guy, from uh, Pissy. We need to stand up and say, why can't younger folks be more patriotic, said the rapper Lee during an interview in Beijing. We need to step into the system. He said, if the post-90s generation don't enter the system, what is our country going to do? So this is what (laughs) hip-hop has become in China. That's it. That's the whole story. Uh, How much is he getting? Like, how much do you think? This is a good sponsorship deal. You know what I mean? Uh, You think he's getting a lot of money to do this? I cannot imagine any other setup. I feel like that's probably they, they co-opt they've co-opted him in some way, which they do with businesses all the time, sure. right? They're like, well, listen, like like they went to Google, like Google, if you want to stay in China, you have to give us all of the information at everyone you have in Gmail. We right. need and they were like, okay, we can't do that. We're out. But other companies do it all the time. So now I love how now they're doing it with hip hop. Yeah. Which is the ultimate, I mean, like the roots of hip hop are long that's gone. That's really jumping, yeah, sell, selling out. <laughs> it's like literally <laughs> The same thing happened in uh, in Egypt. Uh, there'd be these amazing pop songs, super catchy. Uh, there's one called CC Raisi, like CC my president. Yeah. And, you know, it's like this dictator had come to power, but then you'd get these, like, real bangers, you know? I'd have Egyptian friends in, like, California would be, like, driving down the street, like, listening to them, like, oh, just really guilty, being like, I don't like this, I don't like where this is going, but, like, it's That's good, catchy tune. Do you yeah. think, like, secretly, like, Jay-Z is writing all this music for them? <laughs> like, Trump's got to like, hire a hip-hop star to, like, He's got That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, Trump. Trump needs to get this going for him. Yeah. There's that gr- great Simpsons episode where Bart is a boy band. There's like this whole boy band created, but it turns out it's like if you play the song backwards, it's join the navy. It's like a whole propaganda. <laughs> What's in Isn't Kid Rock pro Trump? Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, he, he is. is. Him yeah. and him and Scott Baio could start a. He needs to drop some music. <laughs> no, but you know how? Did you ever hear that? Like. Um, uh, Beyonce was being was paid a million dollars to perform for like some like dictator. I don't know somewhere in the Middle East, somewhere so, you went. These things, yeah. They I feel like now have, probably Jay Z. It's not beyond like hip hop American. Or yeah, Gaddafi. Yeah, for Gaddafi. Get, oh, not just oh, her. Right. Others perform for her. So. Yeah, she got a million defense. bucks to perform for Gaddafi. Um, hey, 
Got to eat. You got to make a buck. <laughs> exactly. S- yeah. Do you? They're not missing. <laughs> no. They're losing all their money in the nets. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. who? I mean, what's our going rate to do a live pod for a dictator? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. Now we're thinking. <laughs> Fuck the Amazon click through. Yeah. Hey. Let's get dictator money. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I will say anything you want for whatever country you uh, Adam's been to. <laughs> I don't know. 5,000 bucks? What do we need? That's it? That's your rate? <laughs> <laughs> Look, no, I should not have to work for a year. My principles start a little higher. I should not have that's, to work for a yeah, year. Yeah, so, I don't know. In New York City, I don't know. 200 grand? Yeah, done. Oh, I mean, nice. 200 grand each. Book Next it. story. <laughs> An Israeli, this is from the Independent UK. An Israeli judo champion who won a gold medal at the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam judo tournament. This is very, this is for you. Wow. Yeah, this is he, did, he won by default. Is that where this is going? Or no? Because nobody uh, would fight him? Yeah, no, no, it, no, he was forced to quietly sing his national anthem to himself during the medal ceremony after organi- organizers right. refused to play the... Hatikva. I'll, I'll answer Exactly. <laughs> or, or raise the Israeli flag. Right, I, I remember this on the news. They, I saw this on the news. They raised, like, they played this song, like the International Judo song, because they won't acknowledge Israel exists. So they played, right. like, the International Judo Association song. Yeah. And he, and they raised like a flag of the judo federation, <laughs> which is so yeah. That's what it was. Isn't that more insulting than just like making an announcement? We're not well, gonna jokes like, on jokes on them, isn't it? It still has Jew right in the name. I was yeah. gonna say yeah. <laughs> they can't escape the Jew anywhere in there. <laughs> so is that really? Oh my god, that seems a little intense to me. But uh, yeah, like the, I don't know if this is the same tournament or a different example, but because I was. But like there are been in judo, I know there's been like guys who are fighting, like a Jew, an Israeli guy's fighting, like a guy from Iran, and the guy will like default. Like they get out on the mat, and he just defaults immediately, and like runs away, like the Iranian, because he will not. They will not. They're not allowed to fight. They're under so much pressure. Wow. Like they're not allowed to fight Israelis, or because if they lose, they could get killed, like the soccer player. And yeah, like the one. Well, in soccer, Israel is not in the. Um, they're in Europe, for this reason, because yeah. they once won a tournament. I know the Israelis won like a soccer tournament in the seventies before, mm-hmm. they, when they were in like the Middle East bracket, because mm-hmm. everyone like defaulted. So they, default, default, they forfeited. I mean, because they're not allowed like, to touch a Jew they, or what? No, is no, it? they just they don't acknowledge Israel exists as a country, so they won't right. play them in a oh sport. So yeah. They forfeited. So we, the Israel we did win a tournament once. It was some very small. So cup. what's like the plan? Like, <laughs> do so they this, just uh, this is judo? They just assume that the Jewish guy would never win because like Jews aren't good athletes or like uh, yeah, what? Yeah, like did they not foresee this as a possibility that it could I, happen? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Someone I, ran and quickly <laughs> got the judo flag. I guess. I feel like this is what's happening in the Olympics now, you know? It's like there will be Russians competing, and but they can't. It's not under You're Russian right. Russia anymore. can't compete as Russians. have, like, the Olympic flag, you know? this is. It's like the catch-all for people who don't is that it? exist. I mean, I saw the Saudi Arabia is having a chess tournament, and, like, obviously Israelis, and, like, mm-hmm. basically Jews aren't going, and, like, also a lot of women are not going. But yeah. they're really, I mean, the quality of chess... If you can't have Jews, I mean, some, be... few, yeah, some Russians are good who aren't Jewish, but you know, yeah, it's uh, I mean, Matt, that Swedish guy, I guess he'll win, but <laughs> this is a gambling tip, by the way. I just thought of if Israel ever were to make the World Cup, yeah, you could just bet on them because you know, if they somehow got through and had to face like a, a you know, they face enough, they got the right bra- draw, they'll just <laughs> they can they, run the table, Iran will just dive on the sidelines right. before they Until, even start. I mean, obviously, when they face Brazil, they'll just they'll uh, carry themselves all ends in a 10 nothing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But you're but, saying you didn't feel any, there was no uh, anti, you didn't feel anti-Semitism or how to? F- no, I mean, some of it was a, was a bureaucratic thing. I remember when I was moving out there, uh, somebody at HR uh, at NYU where I was working called me up beforehand. He said, listen, uh, 
you know, for your visa, you got to pick a religion and it's like this old, basically drop down menu. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jews, not a choice, you know? Oh, really? It's just not on the list of things that you can be, you know, when you're moving to the Emirates. Right. Wow. You can't on have one of the forms on some other form. I think it was fine, but it just, it wasn't so like, so what'd you put? NYU tripled the uh, quote unquote uh, Buddhist population. Of <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go like Presbyterian or something. No, that's something ridiculous. really benign. No, this is, it just didn't even feel like a conflict. It was like they all get together. It's, and, and That's uh, true. It's a weird yeah. thing. Like Tribeca used to do like a film festival in, uh, in Doha where like you couldn't, yeah, like you couldn't have your passport if you've been, they'd be like, well, if your passport says you've been to Israel recently, that'd be bad. And really. Yeah, it's like, but it's like a weird thing. Is I like want to do like a film festival, right? Obviously, there's gonna be a lot of Jewish people at the film festival in general. So it's not really anti-Semitic. It's more like a show thing. It's, yeah, a like, lot of it is for show. Yeah, it's it's for like, other countries and for it just this kind of you know presentation. Yeah, other people. But like on a on a day to day basis, I you know I felt like people who are Jewish who actually felt they're like I better make sure not to tell anyone, and I would obviously almost in a trolley sort of way, like drop that as a bit of information. Oh, that's what I, you know what that, and nothing would ever happen. Is it like how like, uh, idiot Americans put like a Canadian flag on their backpack when they travel? But I would always like troll. I would always be like, no, I'm, I would never do that. I would never put a Canadian flag. I mean, I get that. I just, I, I'm also too curious to know what the actual truth is. Yeah. So that being fake, you're not going to find out what people are never going to find out and your fears are going to justify themselves. Think if compared to you, you're going, you're taking a boat to Somalia and these people are too scared to even put an American like yeah. to no not even no one puts an American flag in the backpack people just don't put anything <laughs> well, you know <laughs> but Somali- they like proactively like I don't want someone to not like me yeah. I mean I, the Somali pirates were coming they were about to take him and they saw he has a Canadian flag <laughs> yeah they <laughs> let the they let he, the uh, uh, they know they could have got a Jew <laughs> <laughs> alright that's it that's our podcast Adam hey Thank you for doing it, man. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Everyone buy your book. It sounds awesome. Everyone get the book. I'm getting it. That is all. Through Amazon. Through Amazon. Through LostAmericaPod.com. Cap, what should we do? Let's get lost. Get Shoving in